invite you to please stand as we hear this gospel together. It comes from Matthew chapter 1, starts with the 18th verse, and you'll see the reading also that's on the screen. There are two places where you'll hear the, the, the narrative of Jesus' birth. There's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What are the two Gospels in which the narrative of Jesus' birth is proclaimed? Matthew and Luke, and this one happens to be from Matthew's Gospel. So hear this word. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And this is the gospel of our Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, open our hearts to receive your word. Heavenly Father, help us open our hearts to receive your Son. Because we live in a world that has so many obstacles and barriers where we can't even see your Son because of our waywardness, being lost, or the objections that we have. Oh, Lord, help us to see your Son, Jesus, and believe and rejoice in Jesus' name. Amen. Congregation, please be seated. I'd like to read something for for you, and why I'm reading this, it wasn't a part of my plan, but I'm going to read it to you. And has to do with this gospel that we preach, which is Jesus. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23. Paul writes this. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, in foolishness to the Gentiles, But to those whom God has called both Jew and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, 
And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Thanks be to God. Amen? Amen. The reason why I read that this morning is because Jesus, for many people, is a huge stumbling block. And there may be here today those that still see Jesus as a stumbling block. So what I'd like to ask you just in your heart, what are, you don't have to answer, I don't want to draw any attention to you or anything like that, but think of those things in your life right now that are like a stumbling block to your growth in faith in Jesus. Or it might be a stumbling block for you even to receive Jesus. It just gets in the way. Do you think there are stumbling blocks out there in our neighborhood? I'm not talking about potholes. There are many people out there, your friends, your co-workers, your neighbors right now that do not know Jesus as Messiah and Lord because of the many obstacles and stumbling blocks that they have heard. And we need to bring an answer to that. So what weighs heavy on my heart is we come together and we worship and we celebrate this Advent season. There are many that don't go there because there are stumbling blocks. You know one of the biggest stumbling blocks to Jesus? You and me. Or I should say me. Pastors can be a huge stumbling block to people that are searching. Christians can be a huge stumbling block for those searching for God. You finish the sentence. Oh, you Christians, you're a bunch of... Or they don't see the love. So do what the Lord Jesus did. Goes with our mission. Love God and what? Love, love others. And serve this world. Today I'd like to talk about a different type of stumbling block that was to a very renowned people. It was the Hebrews. It was the Jews. And Jesus was a big stumbling block. The Jews were looking for a Messiah to come, this Savior that would come and rescue them. And they studied, and they read, they read, and they prayed, and they waited, waiting for the Messiah to come. And when He did come, they did not receive him. And even to this day, this wonderful Jewish community 
God's chosen people are still waiting for the Messiah to come, but missed the Messiah that came 2,000 years ago that's proclaimed here today. Matthew is one of the Gospels that speaks and addresses Jews. It is a gospel message of the good news of Jesus, one of the four gospels that is focused on the Jews. And what we see in the gospel of Matthew, page after page, chapter after chapter, 1 through 28 chapters, it focuses on Matthew proclaiming Jesus is the fulfilled Messiah, the Messiah that was to come, found in Scripture. And so in Matthew, he relates all these scriptures that the Jews would know that are from the Old Testament, the Torah, and all throughout, so they can see this Messiah, this Christ that is fulfilled in Jesus. Now, it would take me way too long to go over those, those prophetic words to you because the Word of God, the Old Testament, is filled with messianic prophecies that are fulfilled in Jesus. And so it would take way too long <laughs> to share them with you. So I'm going to give Jay Leno, um, not Jay Leno, but what was the other one? David Letterman did the top 10. It started with 10. So I couldn't, I couldn't even do 10. I tried 10. I was missing too many. So I'm going to go for 12, and I want to give these to you. And so I want to give them to you. So we have two people coming up. They're going to give you this handout to you so you could fill in the blanks of some of these top 12 prophecies of the coming Messiah that's fulfilled in Jesus. Are you guys ready? Because you see, God with us is all about this prophecy fulfilled in Jesus and we could see it in Scripture. And I wanted to at least give you not 100, not 200. I tried 10. I failed. I have 12. I'll give you 12. But before I go there, and as you get this, I'll give you a preface to that, and we'll just go through these together. And I pray that this would be an encouragement to you. But as you see these 12 that are fulfilled in the Old Testament, and as we go through these together, I want you to think of something that is not on this page and is what I brought up to you before. What are those stumbling blocks for your friends and your coworkers or your family members or your spouse or, or your children? I want it to be safe for people to ask questions so that they can come to know the Savior of the world, Jesus. And there's no reason to be defensive. Filled with the Holy Spirit that God can use you to address, to ask, to have dialogue on the questions that they may have. But let me give you what I think is the number two reasons why Jesus did not meet the Jewish people's emotional and sensational 
expectations. I'm going to give you two reasons, and I know there's more than two, but I'm going to give you, before you write any of the answers down on the sheet I just gave to you, I would like to share with you two reasons that I think why Jesus did not meet Jewish or Hebrew people's emotional and sensational expectations. First of all, do you think they had some expectations? Do you think they have expectations today? You better believe it. They're waiting with, with great expectation for the promised Messiah. So here's the first reason I think that they missed it. And I know there's more, so I, I'm not going to dumb down your intelligence because I know that there's more. I just wanted to share two with you, Tate, because I got 12 others to share with you of where we see it in Scripture in the Old Testament. One is this. The Jews of the day and the Jews of today, most of the time would be the Jews of yesterday, 2,000 years ago. What did they see that they missed? They wanted a military Messiah. Instead, they got a whole different kind of Savior. They were looking for a Messiah that would save them from the Roman rule, their hand that was upon them for centuries, and not just the Romans, but other ones that had their hand in oppression on the Jewish people. So when they saw Messiah coming, they were hoping, they were praying, they had great expectations that they would have a Messiah that would take it to them. The zealots of that day were looking for a military Messiah. You see, when they saw Jesus, he didn't even come close to their expectations, did he? Now think of it. Think of what you know about Jesus. Did he meet those expectations? No. Not even close. But that's what they wanted. And just so, they, so we don't feel high and mighty, because guess what? The Messiah is going to come again. And do you guys have sensational expectations of how the Lord is going to come? Is it possible that we might miss it too when he comes again? It's humbling to see in, in my eyes as a Christian waiting for the return of Christ for the final time and knowing how the religious leaders of that day missed it. It causes me to be humble and prayerful as I wait for the coming Messiah that I would not miss it. The second one is this. They wanted a Messiah that was on their side. Do we want a Messiah that's on our side? Isn't it true that sometimes saying, God is on my side? He's not on your side. Isn't that one of the things that we often say or we think of it? Especially when we're having all kinds of debates in life, in politics. I'm on, God's on my side. He's not on your side. And that was one of the things they got wrong then too, didn't they? They were looking for a Messiah. They might not have said it, but they thought it. I want a Messiah that's on my side. 
Instead, they got a different kind of Savior who took the side of the sinner, who took the side of an orphan, who took the side of a widow, who took the side of the poor, who took the side of the forsaken, not the religious leaders. Can you see why they missed it? It did not meet their expectations. So before we get so high and mighty, the Lord is coming again. And next Sunday, don't miss it, we'll be talking about how to prepare for the coming Messiah. And may we take it with great seriousness, vigilance, and humility as we prepare for him to come. So let me get to this. You ready? Top 12, starting with 12, what we see in Scripture. And there's so many more, but let's just go with that. And so on your piece of paper, you can fill in the blanks. It says number 12, and the Scripture comes from our reading today, Isaiah 7:14. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and so Jesus is the promised Messiah fulfilled in prophecy. And the first one is... What do you think it is? Born of a virgin. So the first thing that we see that's right in Scripture, and the Jews knew this, they were waiting, it's right in Scripture, they knew this Scripture, and it's right here. The number 12 is that Jesus is the fulfilled Messiah, is that he was born of a virgin. We see that in Isaiah 7.14. Let's go to the second one, which is a number 11. 2 Samuel 7, 12 to 16. I love this story. Don't miss this story. This is when David says, I want to build a temple for you, O God, in Jerusalem. And then God said, uh-uh. I'm going to build a house for you. And this is what God said to David. And there's much more, but he says this. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. You see, there was about a 500-year gap where there was no kings. And what were they waiting? The Messiah, great promise. They were waiting to get their king back. For 500 years, they are waiting to get their king back. And so when Jesus came as a promised Messiah, they are looking for him as to be the king, and they missed him. So number 11 is the promised Messiah would be from the line of David. Number 10, Micah 5.2, 5, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you were small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me on who will be the ruler of, over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. So the Messiah would be what? Say it loud, go with me. Born in Bethlehem, we see this. There are messiahs born in Bethlehem. Number nine, Isaiah, this is the second half of Isaiah 7.14. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel. And so scripture says his name will be called Emmanuel. And when Jesus was born, they're proclaiming, the angels were proclaiming to him, Emmanuel, God with us. Wow. His name will be called Emmanuel. Number eight, Malachi 3.1. 
Scripture says this not only in Malachi 3.1, but also at the very end of the book of Malachi, before we get into the New Testament, it says this in 3.1, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. And who was though the one that came before Jesus preparing the way? What was his name? John the Baptist. That's right. And so, number eight, the Messiah will be preceded by a messenger. Elijah, the spirit of Elijah found in John the Baptist. Number seven, Zechariah 9.9. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a... So when Jesus came into the holy city, and as they were proclaiming, they're putting palm branches down, welcoming him as their Messiah at that moment. He came riding on a donkey. Number seven, come into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. Number six, Zechariah 11, 12, and 13. So they paid me 30 pieces of silver. Number six, Jesus was betrayed with 30 pieces of silver to Judas. Number five, Psalm 118, 22 to 24, which is the song that the Jews were ready to sing and did sing unto Jesus as he came into the walls of Jerusalem because they would be doing this with the Messiah coming into their city walls. And what do we see here? But it also says this in Psalm 118, 22 to 24, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone the Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Scripture already knew and foretold that Jesus would be rejected. Number five, rejected cornerstone. The very most important part, they rejected. And Scripture told them this would happen. Number four, Zechariah 12.10 says this. All over, by the way, if you want to see... Fulfilled prophecy all over the place in the Old Testament. Go to two places for sure. Definitely go to Zechariah, chapter 12, chapter 11, chapter 10, chapter 9, and go to Isaiah. You want to hear a great chapter, go to Isaiah 53. It's Jesus all over the place. Number four, they will look on me, the one they have pierced. Zechariah 12.10, number four, he would be pierced. And so we know that Jesus was pierced upon the cross of Christ. Number three, Isaiah 53, 4-6 and 11. This gives you a really good, just a section of Isaiah 53 that looks to Jesus as the Messiah. What does it say? Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering he was pierced for our transgressions. There's that word again. He was crushed for our iniquity. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Oh, that's Jesus. He would bear, number three, he would bear our sins and suffer in our place. Number two, Numbers 21, 6-9. Remember the story in the Old Testament where the Israelites were wandering in the desert and they were disobeying God. And so God then told Moses to do this after what is happening. 
Snakes were biting the people in the wilderness and they were dying. So Moses came up to God. What do we do? God said to Moses, build up a bronze snake, put it up on a pole. And those that will look upon the bronze snake on that pole, if they look up to it and see it, they will be saved. And then in John chapter 3, it says those words, for God so loved the world that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Number two, Numbers 21.69, make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten will look and live. And we know Jesus was lifted upon the pole of a cross that those who look upon him and believe shall be saved. Number one, Isaiah 53, 10 and 11. It's all about the resurrection. He would not remain dead. What do we see in Isaiah 53? Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hands. And after he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. Well, these are scriptures that will help our brothers and sisters that might believe in the Bible but not see Jesus. But let me end in something that's way more concrete for you. That was number one. Oh, number one? I didn't say it? He's risen from the dead. Rising from the dead. Is this resurrection? Yes. That's why his number, that was the last one because it's so significant. His resurrection. Think now before we close here. Think of the stumbling blocks that are in your family. Think of the people that are in your family that have rejected Jesus or are wondering and they have questions. Don't become defensive. Share Jesus with them. Share your life. Share what Jesus means to you. Walk with them. Because it's the Holy Spirit that's going to lead them. It's it's not going to be you. It's a Holy Spirit thing. But God wants to use you. And for pastors like me, we just got to get out of the way. Share in the love of Jesus and watch lives change. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want a life change. We want to be renewed and restored. We need your Son. And help us in our witness, Lord, because we know that it's by the power of your Holy Spirit that will lead them to you. Help us to be full on love full-on grace. And may our lifestyle and our words or whatever we do, may it be pleasing your sight, O Father, and lead people unto your Son, Jesus, that all may come to know Jesus as Emmanuel, God with us. And all God's people said,